0: Book three, chapter twelve of Stolen Idols. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Stolen Idols by E. Phillips Oppenheim. Book three, chapter twelve things do be happening round about here for sure mr pank remarked as he moved down the whiskey bottle from its shelf what it all may lead to is more than a body can say but i don't like the look of it mr Krasky. the grocer added less than his usual modicum of water to his whiskey. his aspect was gloomy so also were the aspects of mr franks the butcher who had strolled across for news and Walter Bevans, the wheelwright, who had come on a similar errand. "'It's almost as bad, Mr. Crasky declared, as the week after the murder. "'Everyone went about then, as it were, on tiptoe. "'Now this burglary, taken by itself, ain't anything to make special mention of. "'Why, Mr. Johnson himself, he was in the morning after it happened, "'and he treated it mostly as a joke. "'It's my belief, Mr. Pank announced, that there's something more serious brewing.' there's inspector cloutson come to stop in the village there's major holmes the chief constable up and down from the hall all day there's mr johnson he don't come near any more mr fielding him we took for a schoolmaster and whom they do say was a kind of detective he ain't been in and mr rawson why no one ain't seen him for four days we shall have news before long and bad news i'm afraid it may be there's wild talk going about, Mr. Kraske sighed, and what it may mean no one can say for sure, but what I do say is, reason is reason, and is it likely that any anyone here could have a grudge against a poor old harmless fellow like Mr. Endicott? All this talk of images and Chinese documents and such like seems as though it had come out of the pages of one of those serial novels as folks read in the newspapers. I don't take no stock of such stuff." "'Mr. Franks pushed his tankard across to be refilled. "'There's one bit of bad news at any rate "'may be sprung upon us at any moment,' he said. "'They do say that every servant in the hall "'had a month's notice yesterday. "'I heard that from Miss Shane, the housekeeper's niece.' "'The landlord shook his head gloomily. "'Things do seem to be pointing that way,' he admitted, "'and Mr. Rawson keeping away and all. "'If so be that it's true,' it will be a sad loss the squire be a proud man in his way but he be a true gentleman and so be mr henry and a more popular young gent than mr gregory has never been known in the county it's a wonderful property to have to give up we'll get some one here i suppose mr Craske predicted pessimistically who's made pots of money by being careful and goes on saving pots the same way "'Some of those big houses, the way they do go through their books "'and talk about the stores to you. "'Why, here's Mr. Rawson.' "'The butler entered, solemn, ponderous, and dignified as ever. "'He raised his black bowler hat in acknowledgement of the greetings "'which assailed him from all sides, and sank slowly into a chair. "'Good afternoon, gentlemen,' he said. "'Mr. Pank, I'll take double my usual quantity of Scotch whisky.' "'With me, Mr. Rawson,' the grocer insisted. "'We've missed you the last few days.' "'Rawson sighed. "'I felt too worried in my mind for company,' he confessed. "'It's no secret to you all, so why should I act mysterious about it? "'There's scary doings at the hall.' "'There was a little rustle of interest. "'Rawson, disposed for gossip, waited until his drink was placed in his hand "'and solemnly pledged its donor.' To begin with, he confided, it's no secret now that we're in trouble. We may have acted foolish, he went on. Nothing, of course, can be said for seventy thousand pounds lost at Newmarket, and a trifle more than that last year. Foolish we may have been, but the gentry have always had their weaknesses. The hounds have cost us a cool eight thousand a year for the last five years, and subscriptions getting less all the time. Then the taxes— "'It seems whatever sort of government we get these days, "'they want your money, fingers all itching for it. "'Get you always. "'Income tax and land tax. "'Why, it's a wonder they don't grab the breath out of your body. "'It's the first time such a thing's happened to me in my career, "'but last night, you'll believe me, gentlemen, I had my notice.' "'There was a murmur of sympathy. "'Rawson raised his glass and drank.' It was Mr. Henry, as usual, who had to tackle the job, he continued. He sent for us one by one to his study, where he sat as prim and formal as ever, with all his catalogues around and his books of reference. "'Rawson,' he said, "'you have been an excellent servant, but conditions render it necessary for my brother and me to close this house for the present. We are, in fact, ceasing to keep an establishment.' I am compelled, therefore, to ask you to accept a month's notice. All very proper and regular, gentlemen, but I could see that Mr. Henry were feeling it. Mrs. Shane came out all crying. I seen him afterwards, though, and he were just the same as usual, except that his face were as white as parchment. "'It do be a sad loss for all,' Mr. Pank declared. "'There's no word of anything but good in these parts for any of them.' "'for the squire, or Mr. Henry, or Mr. Gregory, either.' "'As though this weren't trouble enough,' "'Rawson proceeded portentously. "'There's all sorts of mysterious doings and rumours afloat, "'about enough to drive a body crazy. "'You mind the young man Fielding, "'who called himself a retired schoolmaster "'and sat in the corner pretending to make flies?' "'The hypocrite!' Mr. Craske exclaimed a detective that's what he was rawson went on not a police detective you understand but one of them that goes about spying for a living now he is up and swore that the night of the burglary he seen some one leave the hall by the oak library which is mr gregory's private way almost twenty minutes or half an hour before the burglary were committed there was a little buzz of exclamations and remarks "'a general feeling of indignation against the pseudo-schoolmaster. "'If he were one of these paid spies,' Mr. Kraske inquired, "'who were paying him?' "'That I can't say for sure,' the butler acknowledged, "'but I have my suspicions, very grave suspicions, too.' "'And whom might you be fancying to be the man?' "'Mr. Rawson, one of the little group, asked.' "'Him as has taken the great house, Mr. Johnson by name,' was the injured reply. "'We've had him up to lunch, too, and treated him, as it were, beyond his station. "'I'm glad to find he's not here to-day, gentlemen. "'There's a word or two I might have had to say to him.' "'It do seem most mysterious,' the innkeeper declared. "'What do you suppose this Mr. Johnson has got to do with it all, Mr. Rawson, "'that he's putting his oar in?' mr johnson the butler announced has come to these parts under false pretences there's many as wondered why he settled here and many asked him the question and all the time he answered innocent-like that he just wanted the country and the house suited him and so on do you mind all on you when he pretended to be surprised about the murder he knew about it all the time he was mr endicott's partner out somewhere in foreign parts "'and he settled down here in a mischievous kind of way "'to make trouble and disturbance amongst his betters.' "'Well, I never,' Mr. Pank exclaimed. "'A pleasanter-spoken body never came in the place, "'or a more harmless-looking. "'There's nothing fresh, is there, Mr. Rawson, about the murder?' "'God knows,' was the butler's ponderous pronouncement. "'There's strange things all around us, "'and what they may mean or where they may lead to— "'we none of us can tell at this present moment. "'There's Mr. Johnson,' the grocer exclaimed, "'looking out over the muslin blinds, "'and Inspector Cloutson with him. "'Look at em walking together so confidential-like.' "'I'd like to know what they're saying,' Mr. Kraske confessed. "'Head's almost touching, as you might say. "'And did you see the inspector turn around "'and look across towards the hall?' "'The two men halted outside the postern gate.' Presently they separated, and with a brief nod Mr. Johnson entered his own domain, whilst Inspector Klutzen turned and made his way back towards the police station. The little company watched Mr. Johnson's retiring figure, as they had once watched his progress down the village street on the day of his first visit. In my opinion, Rawson declared emphatically, that's the man who's brought most of the mischief into this neighbourhood. I'm not one to wish any of my neighbors harm, but if the chap who broke into the great house the other night had been of my way of thinking, he'd have given him one which would have kept him quiet for a bit longer than this. Mr. Johnson moved rather wearily to his favorite seat under the cedar tree, and sat there for several minutes in tired contemplation. He awoke from a fit of brooding to find Catherine Besant crossing the lawn towards him, She was bareheaded, and it was obvious that she had been running. He rose to his feet. "'Come and sit down,' he begged. "'I can't stop,' she answered. "'I just came in. I wanted to have a word or two with you.' He took her hands in his and looked at her steadily. She was a little flushed with her hurrying, but it struck him that her hair was more carefully arranged, and that her linen frock, simple though it's fashion, was becoming— the slight eagerness in her manner, communicated also to her expression, gave her an air of greater life and vivacity. "'Mr. Johnson,' she exclaimed, "'I really can't stop. I don't know when Madame may want me. But what does it all mean? Everyone seems wildly unhappy, and it all seems to centre round you. What are you doing to everybody? You are so kind to me.' my dear he replied gently it would take a long time to explain very soon you will know everything but the everything that i am to know seems as though it were going to be horrible she cried madame looks as if she were about to die every moment sir bertram rode away from seeing her this morning looking like a ghost they say that mr gregory left last night for abroad Miss Endicott sent three notes to him yesterday. I know that she wanted him to come to see her. He wouldn't. And the place seems full, full of phosphorescence. It's like a pause before a thunderstorm. No one seems to know quite what to expect. Is it you who have been stirring up all this trouble? He shook his head. The trouble, such as it is, he assured her solemnly, was caused by those who must suffer for it who are they she demanded he pointed over his shoulder towards the hall the ballastons he answered but what have they done he shook his head don't ask me too much he begged it's an ugly story and you'll know it soon enough only believe me it isn't i who am bringing it all about but you could stop it she expostulated nothing in the world could stop it he answered i don't look like a superstitious man do i miss passant i shouldn't have said so she admitted i have this belief though he went on which you may call superstitious or you may not there are some things which a man who meddles with must suffer for i have seen it in my younger days in egypt and i have seen it also in china i have seen a man who posed as a great savant and egyptologist destroy a sacred tomb The newspapers of the world were filled with accounts of the treasure he discovered. He died within a few months, and to this day no one knows how. And then tell me this, by what right does a young man like Gregory Ballaston, simply because he has courage and enterprise, and because he is faced with ruin, dare to come out to a strange country, break into a sacred temple, and rob it, well, he found no treasure, but for the evil which has come because of his wrong doing, you must not blame me who point the finger to his guilt. You must blame something which neither you nor I fully understand, but which is working for a punishment just as surely. But you don't think, she faltered, you can't believe that Gregory Ballaston killed Mr. Endicott. The law will have to decide that, he answered gravely. She sat for several moments, pensive and still. Then she rose to her feet. I think it is all very horrible, she sighed. Life has its grim and terrible side, he declared, but underlying it all there is a sense of justice which has made us humans frame laws and institute a code of punishment. The instinct to do this and abide by the results is a part of nature itself. "'No one really escapes the consequences of ill-doing. "'Will you promise me one thing, Miss Passant?' "'She had been in the act of turning away. "'She paused. "'Everything may be changed here in a few days,' he went on, "'and of course I may be pretty unpopular. "'Will you promise me that you will not go away without seeing me?' "'She hesitated for a moment. "'Then she gave him her hand quickly.' To his surprise, there were tears in her eyes. I promise, she said, you have been kind to me at any rate. You are the first person who has been really kind to me for years. She moved away too quickly for him to detain her. Mr. Johnson returned slowly to the house, over which the shadow of tragedy seemed once more to be brooding. End of Book 3 Chapter 12